In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Church gives us today the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which we celebrate as an external feast. And it is entirely possible that there is no more consoling thought than the heart of Jesus opened on the cross. We heard from St. Paul that those who know the Lord are to contemplate the height, depth, the breadth of God himself. And our access point to this knowledge is through the pierced and open side of our Savior's human nature. Jesus himself considers it absolutely essential for us today to know the love of his sacred heart. We know through his revelations to Margaret Mary, to St. Margaret Mary, and to Shustra Frastina Kowalska, that the time to know the mercy of the sacred heart of Jesus is now. But when we contemplate the sacred heart, there's a great deal that we can learn from the theologians who came long before this, And I propose to you something we learned from St. Augustine and from what he teaches us in explaining the Psalms. In explaining Psalm 38, where the psalmist cries out to God, my sins are piled higher than my head. They're too many for me and I cannot count them. I cannot bear it. St. Augustine tells us that the speaker of this psalm is our Lord Jesus Christ. Not that he has sinned, but that he speaks for his body, and that he has loved his body, the church, so much that he is willing to speak to the Father in our name those words, my sins are piled higher than my head, they're too many for me, I cannot bear them. Jesus speaks this for his body, and this was at the heart of The understanding the ancient Christians had of the love of God, not simply understood in a vague or merely spiritual sense, but they understood in detail exactly what it means that the Lord has loved us, exactly what it means and what he has done by going to the cross and the resurrection for us. And they taught this through what they call the theology of the exchange. These are the ancient Christians of the Roman Empire, both east and west, You will find this in John Chrysostom. You will find this in St. Leo the Great, the Pope. You'll find this in Augustine and in Ambrose, in all the great hymns of our liturgy, because you will find it on the lips of Jesus himself, that when our Lord Jesus Christ wishes us to know how it is he loves us, he talks about this exchange that takes place between us and him, where he will join us to himself through baptism in such a way that he takes on everything that belongs to us and in its place gives us everything that belongs to him. And this is the heart of Christianity and the way we understand the love of the Sacred Heart, that our Lord Jesus Christ has taken on everything that belongs to humanity. He's taken it on himself, our flesh, our nature, our senses, our emotions, our thoughts. He's taken on our joys, he's taken on our sorrows, all of our griefs, all of our pains, and our mortality. 
And all of this he has taken on his own sacred heart and borne it. And the weight of it has broken his heart open. St. Alphonsus Liguri speaks like this. When St. Alphonsus Liguri meditates on our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane before he makes the external oblation that he does on the cross, while he's making that internal offering of himself to the Father for our sakes there in the Garden, he drinks down three chalices, St. Alphonsus tells us. And the first chalice is the chalice of human sin. St. Alphonsus tells us that Jesus, there in that moment, drinks down the guilt of all human sin from the beginning of time to the end and experiences in his human emotions, their guilt as though they were his own. Obviously, they're not. Obviously, our Lord has taken on everything except the fact that we have sinned. He has not sinned himself, but he takes on the experience of that guilt. St. Alphonsus tells us that he drinks a second chalice, which is the chalice of all human suffering. Whether that suffering is at the hands of others or self-inflicted, deserved or undeserved, all suffering from the beginning of time to the very end, our Lord takes on his own heart there in the garden. And finally, St. Alphonsus says he takes on the third chalice, which is the chalice of all human loneliness, all human alienation, the alienation which comes from our original sin when Adam and Eve were first alienated from one another, from God first and foremost, and even from the earth. All of that loneliness that we experience as a consequence of original sin, our Lord takes on there in the garden as well, all on his sacred heart. Out of love, he looks at all of the darkness and chaos that comes with human nature, and he says, I will take it on myself. I will bear within my heart everything. And even there in the garden, his heart breaks open for us so that when it is pierced by a lance on the cross, we are only seeing the external consequence of the offering he has already made for us inside. And what does he wish to give us in return? In place of the things he has taken from us, our sin, our frailty, he gives us everything that belongs to him. St. Athanasius used the provocative phrase, God became man that man might become God. And our Lord Jesus Christ gives us, in the place of what is properly our own, that which is properly his. And what is that? His place with the Father. He joins us to his body, as he says, such that he is the vine and we are the branches, that he is the head and we are the members. And so we in him become truly heirs to the kingdom of heaven, adopted heirs, but true heirs nonetheless, heirs to his immortality, as St. Peter tells us, partakers in his divine nature. We receive enlightenment, the access to his own mind and way of viewing the world. We gain through purification his own innocence. We gain through purification his own heart. He takes our heart, bears it within his own, and gives us his in his place. St. John Eudes, when contemplating this exchange 
within the mystical body between our Lord Jesus and all of his members in the church. He says, I ask you to consider that the Lord Jesus Christ is your head and everything that is his is yours. His mind, his sight, his heart. And I ask you to consider that you are his and everything that is yours is his. Your hands, your feet, your senses, your own heart. And that the two of you are no longer two, but are one body. The ancient Christians used to call the church Christus totus, the whole Christ. The church made of our Lord and all of his members spread throughout time and space is the whole Christ. And that is the love of the Sacred Heart. That our Lord, in loving us, does not simply love us with affection, though he certainly does. He does not simply love us from a distance. He does not simply love us by coming close to us, even. But he loves us by making us one with himself, having purified us of everything that is contrary to God. And one day, please God in heaven, we will know our place before the Father. We will know ourselves to be true heirs to the kingdom of heaven. So when you receive communion today, if you receive, or the next time you receive, understand this, that what is happening is not simply as though you could say simply, our Lord coming down out of heaven to visit you and live within your flesh. But he is uniting you to himself and deepening that exchange between you such that whenever you go through anything difficult, you may give it to him and know that he has understood it as his own because you are his, a member of his body. And when you are in need, you may ask him for the things that are his, his virtues, his strength, his knowledge, his love of the Father and of all humanity. The Sacred Heart is our Lord's way of showing us in terms that we can understand just exactly what he is about in saving us. May we always remember and realize appreciate and with humble, grateful joy, love that greatest of gifts. To Jesus Christ be glory in the church, now and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.